0: Hi, this is Dominic Pace, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid.
1: You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast.
0: What a piece of
1: junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. He's
0: he as clumsy as he is stupid.
1: Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage.
0: No, no, the one I'm pointing to.
1: All the way to current releases.
0: This? Yes. Yes.
1: All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Good show for you tonight as my guest is Mark Newbold of Tracks and Star Wars Insider, He's got a list of credits about a mile long, and it would pretty much take the rest of this episode to go through them. So I'll spare you that and just uh, turn you over to Fanthatrax if you kind of want to read more on that. We do go a little bit into that, but it was a wonderful conversation. I was very happy to get the chance to talk with him and carve out a little bit of his time, which is incredibly filled. And I hope you really enjoy it. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. I just wanted to get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way first. One, I did want to say thank you once again to all those involved in the steam into Star Wars Day. It was a real treat, and I know if you have been listening the last couple episodes, if you're fairly new and those are your ins, um, we covered a lot down there, and it was really fun once again to be a part of it. I was very, very happy, and and thanks once again to uh, Tom Gross, uh, Dan Zare, and all the folks down at Washington Community High School for allowing me to be a part of it and everybody I talked to. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes yet, I really uh, encourage you to go back. Uh, a lot of good people, artists, authors, and uh, and so forth. And it was it was really a treat. Um, of course, we hit the one year mark on the Instagram page um, uh, earlier this week, and it's been a pretty amazing ride. And met a lot of great folks on there as well. Um, it's helped me introduce me to a lot of sketch card artists and a lot of people in the Star Wars community, and uh, it's been really really fun. And um, I hope you've got a lot out of it. If you follow me on Instagram uh, at RebelBaseCard, it's just been it's been really fun to go back through my own collection, and also you know find new pieces and find information out about the cards that I love to collect, but also find out more about the stories uh, of people who also collect not only cards but uh, figures and what have you. Uh, the people who work on the cards, the people who work for Tops, um, it's it's been really a treat. And uh, it's led me to a lot of places, and uh, you know, one of the reasons I am here now is that I started this a year ago, and uh, I've been kind of putting it off for a while, been trying to write um, about Star Wars cards, just trying to you know, put, put some of my mark on it. You know, once you, once you become a part of this community, you see right away that these are people you want to hang out with, and, and, and it's, been, it's been really great. And uh, I just wanted to thank everybody who's uh, given me a follow, given me a like, or a nice comment. Uh, who has appeared on the podcast, which is kind of an extension of the, the Instagram page. Uh, it's been a real, real gas, and I, I hope to bring more content to you, not only on Instagram, but on Twitter, on the podcast, and Facebook as well. And um, if you stay along for the ride, you know, many, many thanks for that. Um, also, we had the uh, end of Star Wars Resistance, the season finale, which I have to say it was really good. Um, it's a shame that they only got a couple years. Um, I think after watching the finale and kind of seeing the story that, you know, arced into season one, um, it was an interesting take. I I really wish they would have had a little more time. Um, I want to say a shout out to Christopher Sean, uh, who was really great and gracious in reaching out to fans. And, uh, you know, you saw him on Instagram, saw him on Twitter uh, and so forth. And uh, it was was really fun. And uh, I think the next piece of animation, of course, we have the Clone Wars coming up. Um, but we really don't know what's coming after that. But I, I really think that resistance could have gotten another year, and I think with being on Disney Plus, um, could have had a little more of a groundswell. I know that when you're on Disney XD, it's kind of hard for people to watch. Um, a lot of folks are just getting into Rebels right now uh, because Rebels was also on Disney XD, and so you know, with a platform like Disney Plus, you know, shows like The Mandalorian and all that have a lot, a lot of room to grow. And uh, I think you have the power of having all that content on Disney Plus that makes it easier if you're trying to launch a program to get a larger audience. Um, I think people will come uh, to see uh, Star Wars Resistance is pretty groundbreaking and a great story. And um, like I said, it'd be a shame. Uh, it's a real shame that they don't get another season. But I, I like the story that they told. They brought the story to to a close, and uh, my hat's off to the production team and everybody involved in that. It was a really, really great episode uh, and a great series. And so if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, um, I know it's coming to Disney XD, uh, Disney Plus uh, the second season, I think on the 25th of February. Um, so I, I encourage you to go back and watch the series again. Uh, take it for what it is. It's a, it's a piece of animation geared towards kids but it also has a lot of uh, heavier themes to it, and I think it does have a nice appeal to everyone, and it's a great bit, um, great bit of work there at any rate. Um, right now, card-wise, we are, we are just in seeing the release of the Return of the Jedi black-and-white series. Uh, I broke a hobby box open um, a little while ago, and really some great cards, uh, lovely black-and-white photography, uh, lots of sketch cards, and so you can find them uh, more at hobby. Hobby places, uh, but you can also go to David Adams' Card World or Blowout Cards, um, and you can find them there. They're really, really good cards, and uh, like I said, lots of great sketch art. Um, I didn't get a chance to pull one, but I think I did pull a Mike Quinn who did uh, Sai Snoodles and Return of the Jedi, and I was pretty happy about that. So, at any rate, um, getting back to my conversation with Mark Newbold, um, I could have probably talked to him uh, for a couple hours, but it's one of those things, like I said, he's really busy. Um, and I, I, did want to cover a broad range of topics and uh, it's one of those things when you're talking to somebody who's been covering Star Wars for a long time, uh, they have such a great insight, uh, that, you know, a lot of times you just, you have to kind of make sure to go with your A game as far as the questions are concerned and then just kind of sit back and just enjoy the ride. So I hope you, um, enjoy the, my conversation with Mark Newbold and I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> All right, in, in getting ready for this interview today in, in looking through the about page on uh, Fanta Tracks, uh, you know you've been on so many different mediums and radio programs and podcasts and I saw from the list that you have been on 79 podcasts either as a host or a guest and you know personally as a collector i'm I'm hoping that this list is updated so I could be, Podcast number eighty, because as a collector, I'm I'm a fan of just just that even number.
0: <laughs> you are number eighty, yes.
1: In talking to someone who has done as many interviews as yourself, I was a little bit of at a loss when trying to come up with my first question. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take a cue from a tweet you had this morning and ask this: What did you think of Picard?
0: Ah. <laughs> Oh, I could talk about this all day. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was, a, I was a complete next generation freak when that show came out. Uh, I, think, I think partly because when when Jedi came out and then we had Ewoks and droids and you could tell that the saga was winding down, you know, with the Ewok movies, I knew that there needed to be something else that I got into. So because I'd followed ILM's progress, obviously, through the, through the original trilogy and beyond, I kind of got into anything that was Spielberg-related or ILM-related, and that led me to Star Trek. So the uh, the Genesis trilogy, Star Trek 2, 3, and 4, was what really kind of got me hooked on Trek. And then in 87, when Next Gen launched, and also it was an English captain, even though he was playing a French cap, uh, French character, strictly speaking, um, kind of interested me as well and, and and just got hooked. So to come back to to Next Gen all these years later, I mean, even just after Nemesis, it's 18 years, you know it was it was really, weirdly emotional in a, I, I've always thought Star Trek and Star Wars have got similarities, of course, but there's there's a Trek's more of a soap opera. I think it's more character based Star Trek in a way. So because they're more relatable because they're us in the future, whereas Star Wars characters aren't us, their culture's different, everything's different whereas Star Trek kind of feels like it's where we may be headed. Postulating a future, um, and so I, I really got hooked on the characters, and and uh, as a consequence, like when you're a Star Wars fan, you kind of you follow what Harrison's doing, you, you know, you follow what um, Mark's doing, or or going forward, what Adam Driver's going to do. You know, that guy's got Oscars lying ahead of him. You know, so you're kind of interested in what they do, uh, and Trek's the same. And and I've been fortunate that I've not only written for StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider, but I've also written for StarTrek.com and the official Trek mag, so I've gone. I got a foot in both camps. Um, but Picard, yeah, I was really emotional watching that. Just seeing them all back, you know, in, in those specifically Stewart, Patrick Stewart, but also seeing Brent Spiner, and just yeah, I I loved it. Long answer to a short question. I absolutely loved it.
1: And as a follow-up to that, there to me is a con- connection between Picard and the sequel trilogy, in that you know, on some level. We didn't think we'd get any more stories from these characters. And they, and they feel like a bit of a, of a gift. Um, is that your impression?
0: That's a good point. I mean, Picard is exactly like 7, 8, and 9 in that, you know, for when Jedi came out, you think, well, you'd quite, even as a kid, You know, I was 12 when Jedi came out. So you're thinking, well, you've kind of heard rumors that George wants to do 1, 2, and 3, but that feels like it's a long way off. And 7, 8, and 9 as the years went on, felt more and more unreachable as if it would really never happen so 789 whatever we got from 789 is a gift because it really is the trilogy we never thought we'd actually get um and and Picard I mean Patrick Stewart was never anything less than grateful and complimentary for his Star Trek experience but you know he really was done after Nemesis so to get this now at this stage of not only Star Trek's life, because it's definitely on the bounce back, but but in Patrick Stewart's life, you know, the guy's 80 next year, you know, to think that he's um, coming back to it, it's incredible, really.
1: I, I think as I'm seeing some of the reception to Picard, I almost feel like I have to kind of plonk down the five ninety nine to pick up CBS All Access.
0: Oh, I, oh, it's, it's, I couldn't think of a better advert for, for CBS than this. I mean, I, I do enjoy Discovery. Um, as a fan of all things Trek, I enjoy Discovery because... They are trying different things, and they do uh, – people say that it breaks the canon. It doesn't break the canon. The only thing that's changing is the fact that one's made in the 60s, for example, and one's made in the you know, the 21st century because technology is better and visual effects are better. And I just imagine it's a high-def look at what we were seeing back then, but we're just seeing it in, with much better clarity. That's, that's my head canon. I can, I can work around it. Um, so I enjoy Discovery, but I've got to say, Picard, one episode, and already I'm completely – uh, blissfully you know hooked so i can't wait I can't wait for, for the next one
1: and a- another parallel would be that star trek had a similar situation back in the day with generations in that they kind of had to bring the old in with the new and try to blend both before really kind of setting the next gen folks off on their own new movies
0: yeah yeah that's a good analogy actually general i like generations it gets a bad rap i think and because it's an on the an on, on on odd numbered trek and odd numbers treks, you get a rough time. Um, but I like I like I like the motion picture for what it is and I do enjoy three. I always three was where I really came into it, you know. Star Trek five, I interviewed Shatner last year for the official Mag and I'm very looking back in retrospect, made the very smart move of of pointing out and I stand behind what I said. I said, I think you gave DeForest Kelly his greatest ever moment. He says, Really? I said, yeah, Star Trek Five—the scene where he's, you know, with his mourning his father, and you know that whole sequence with Cybok. and I think he was quite flattered. And, and from a purely from a, a selfish point of view, it was a smart question to ask because it, it really softened him up, but, you know. And and Shatner, you know, if he's in a good mood, he's you get a great interview. If he's not in such a good mood, you, you know, you get one-word answers. And I was very lucky, so. But, uh, but yeah, I think Five's got its moments, and I like Generations, but I but First Contact's my favorite. That's that's always going to be my favorite. Love that film.
1: In shifting to the new series and seeing that a series like Star Wars Resistance came out at the time it did, what do you really feel is the legacy of the series in general?
0: Uh, In a tricky spot, to be honest. I think it came, obviously, when it turned up, it was coming off the back of Rebels, which in, in its own way came off the back of Clone Wars. And Clone Wars was much loved. And then Rebels had a tough time. And then that became... I would, I would argue, as loved as Clone Wars, really, Rebels. Um, and and then Resistance, again, it's a very different style and starts off as, ostensibly as a, as a kid's show. And it's on Disney XD and it, it is a kid's show. Well, they're all kid's shows, but, you know, it, it felt like it was pitched younger. Um, and and it's, it's really found its footing and found its niche and people don't seem to make the, the, the note about the visuals anymore. I think it takes time to get used to that new angle on Star Wars see your eye gets into it so I don't think there's any issues about that and it has it already I mean Clone Wars got darker and darker because the actual Clone Wars got darker and darker so the show followed that you know I always think it's very much like the Potter films you know start off with Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone as you guys call it you know and it it builds and grows you know and then you get to Deathly Hallows you know you couldn't have handled Deathly Hallows if that had been Chamber of Secrets if that makes sense so they sort of progress you through it um, and I think Clone Wars definitely did that. Rebels absolutely did that. But it feels like Resistance, not quite to the same degree, but and, and I can't claim to have seen every episode of Resistance. It is a show that I've dipped in and out of. Um, so I'm, I'm no I'm no expert on Resistance. I can't claim to be. But but um, but from what I've seen, you know, they are they do go darker. They do have moments of peril That and is definitely more um Substantial—that's probably a good word. It's probably more substantial now than it was when it started. But then I guess every show is, isn't it? You know, you've got to you've got to set the bedrock. But in terms of where it sits in fandom, I'd I'd like to think it sits pretty pretty favourably because it is it has overlapped with the uh, the sequel trilogy films, and you know it is fleshing out characters. It is giving you another angle, and that's why, for example, that's why I like the Mandalorian because it's looking at the Star Wars galaxy from a completely different perspective. You know, not not that your in inverted commas standard either jedi versus sith or empire versus rebellion you know you are seeing a bit of the underworld and that's something we don't always see resistance you know obviously on the colossus it's it's out there it's a different sort of setting you know the the racer thing which was kind of fun gave me sort of podcast uh, pod race vibes and such you know and, and kazuda as a character he's fun bit goofy bit bit sort of season one ezra you know there's there's that about him
1: but yeah, I'd like to think it will sit pretty well when it's all said and done. In looking at where the show ended, by the time most of the most of people will hear this, you know, Star Wars Resistance will have ended already, I find myself agreeing a bit with some that, you know, it almost could have been released in the summer and, and had all the fandom to itself. It seems like there was a a big opportunity to find the right schedule for these just as it was probably best to kind of take the star wars story films and and turn them more into televised series
0: i i really agree with that especially in terms of resistance yeah you're right i mean to put that on in the summer would have been perfect and it's toy buying season and kids you know kind of get into stuff and uh in the uk and in the states obviously you know i think it's slightly different here in the uk but um they did miss a trick there and, and 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 you make a really good point in the sense that I, I said this the other day on social media to somebody one thing i've missed in in relation to the sequel trilogy and to the star wars story episodes and i love all of them don't get me wrong was that star wars when it used to crop up real rock up every three years it's a major event it's a cultural event it's a zeitgeist moment and everybody's everything stops for star wars all the other big films stay well away from it and it's, you know, it's a nuke going off. It's it's Star Wars and, and having a film every two years. And in the in the recent instance, every every year uh, has kind of meant that it isn't the zeitgeist punching film that it was. Um, it's it. There's a lot of franchise films and Star Wars helped create the franchise era anyway. Um, so, so to skip across to what you've just said about television, the fact that you've got eight episodes to build up storyline and, and really develop and, and let things grow and and, uh, and and build in that way. I think I think that
1: could be where Star Wars prospers the most almost on television. Given that the UK wasn't seeing Disney Plus until March and that, you know, that we went through all this with the Mandalorian, I, I, I kind of scratch my head that they didn't choose to debut the Clone Wars in February instead of March when it was available to a wider audience. Although to be fair, I can't imagine there were too many people over there that if they really wanted to see it, they haven't seen it already.
0: I, that's, that's a, again, a really good point. I don't know. I mean, it was March 31st, and then it, which is my birthday, ironically. Uh, and now they've pulled it forward a week um, uh, to the 24th, which is great. And, and you know, so many of us are going to hop onto that. It's a really competitive price as well. So the price point's great, and um, that's wonderful you make a very good point and I can't pretend to be glib about it because we've done reviews on the site. Yes. We've all seen the Mandalorian. Um, and Disney aren't stupid. Disney know this. They knew this was going to happen. And, and, and I, I would say, and quite fairly, I guess, you know, star Wars.com is very us focused. It's not particularly international focused. Um, in, to, to the degree, I'll give you an example. Um, 27th of December is the uh, anniversary date of Star Wars coming out in the UK so a couple of years ago, uh, we had the opportunity to put on an event uh, at the Dominion Theatre, which is where Star Wars premiered um, back in 1977. And all we asked was that um, that that Lucasfilm, rather, just got behind it a little bit and were aware of what was happening uh, to celebrate the 40th anniversary in the UK. And, and the response was basically, we've already done the 40th anniversary. It's 25th of May. Yeah, it's 25th of May in the States, but it's... 27th of December in the UK and they just didn't get it I mean they just didn't get it so and I get that because you don't want to mix messages and it was the year Last Jedi came out and within a couple of weeks of the film and I understood but but you know the the focus is very much on on the stage so that being said yeah why didn't they keep it back a month I don't think it would have hurt I can't think what else is coming out you know um and and the Kenobi thing I mean just you, you mentioned Kenobi and uh, again it was a, a, a situation where it actually turned out to pretty much be a storm in the teacup as, as Ewan explained he's like yeah they want to make it the best they can make it and we're not going to film it in the summer now we're going to move it back to early next year but it's still come, going to come out at the same release date so they're obviously shifting we've seen all the stuff about Mando and how they use this stagecraft technology and the screens and such so it, it almost feels like they can make Kenobi and then the last thing they need is Ewan to actually turn up as Obi-Wan and film his stuff and they can just drop it in you know so and that may be how it is I don't know um but it it, it became a massive worry when it didn't it absolutely didn't need to be so they, they don't help themselves a lot of the time with the PR they could make they could send out very simple messages just to explain things and make life easier for themselves but uh I don't
1: know I don't know I think it's also interesting situation where you have an audience experience a show like this all at once, as opposed to week by week. And so in some cases you have an audience that's getting a much different experience from this first series.
0: That's a good point. That's a really good point. I, I like, like Picard, like Discovery. I like it Like You know, I like watching an episode a week, knowing that I, yeah, every Friday, the good place is on. It's last episode coming up next week. Sadly, I'm, I'm kind of gutted and I didn't get into the good place till season two. So I watched all of seasons one and two in about a week. I did the same with Game of Thrones, weirdly. I watched seasons one to five in about two, two three weeks, and then had to watch the rest you know, month on month, episode by episode, and, and probably preferred that, uh, in all honesty. So I like that it's the weekly thing. But yeah, if you can just sit down and day one of Disney+, Plus and, and there's all eight episodes of Mandalorian, and you've got the day free... Uh, and bearing in mind that some episodes are forty minutes, some you know, episode two was like thirty-two minutes. You know, they're all very quickly watchable. You know, it's not an hour of television with five ad breaks anymore, like it was when Next Gen was on. You know, it's a different game. So you really could bounce through season one of Mando in a day. Quite, I would say, like you, like you've just pointed out, and 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 that is a different viewing experience, because but but not. I would argue not as satisfying because, I, again, going back to what I said before, I think when Star Wars came out every three years, okay, when we were kids, there was no internet, you know, uh, you, were, you were living on pocket money to get magazines. It was a completely different game. So, you know, the, the internet was the playground, your friends that you talked to, you know, it was a completely different scenario. But you had three years to think about it and listen to that soundtrack and play with the toys and talk to your friends and read the Marvel comics, the weeklies as we got here in the UK, you know, and all the things that happenstance and rumors that would float around, and then the film comes out, you know. Um, whereas now, within two, three days of Rise of Skywalker coming out, I I was hearing about people who downloaded copies, you know, somebody's filmed a you know, a cinema screen in wherever it may be, and there's the heads at the bottom. There's old school video piracy days, you know, watching. Opposite and people walking around with it on their mobile phone. So it's a totally different environment. So it's apples and oranges. But uh, I do miss that. I do miss the days when Star Wars, you knew Star Wars was coming to town. It's like the circus is back. It's like Star Wars is coming you know. Whereas now it's it's a little bit too on tap, um, which is why I think Mando season one works so well watching it week on week. And I think season two will be the
1: same. As we are coming up to a bit of space between the movies, you've seen the breaks in, in between before do you worry a little bit about the site or entity losing a little bit of momentum with your audience? Um, yes, yes and no. I put put my old fart hat
0: on and think back to the sort of the mid nineties when I first started doing websites. Uh, and the first site was a Trek site and the next site was a general news site. And then 98 was the first Star Wars site. So 22 years ago, and we were building up to Phantom Menace, you know, we went through each of the films, um, Websites fell, drop like flies after Phantom Menace. There's so many disappeared between menace and clones. It was ridiculous. Um, and then, um, you know, and then you get past, four, um, past Revenge of the Sith, and you don't know the Clone Wars is coming for a couple of, year, couple of years, really. So that was the, the real big sort of first gap, in my experience, online anyway. Uh, and, and back then, it was just, we just treated it. I was running a site called Lightsaber then. So we just treated it like business as usual just just keep you know there's still toys coming out and there's still comics coming out and there's you know so the focus shifted to the the print material and the the books and conventions you know Celebration Europe had been announced and things like that were coming um but yeah I mean there is there is a gap there's a movie gap I mean obviously uh, and now Kenobi's been pushed back we we were thinking well you know it's going to be quiet in February and then Clone Wars will come out so we'll be busy in in March and April because everyone's going to be talking about Clone Wars and you know, and then celebrations in August, you know, so that's that's going to start building up. And, um, you know, so there's always things to talk about, but there isn't, like you point out, there isn't that movie focus. And apparently this month we're going to hear about who's directing the 2022 film and, and a little bit about that. Everyone's talking about High Republic and that seems to have a bit of meat on the bone. So that could be where they're going with it, um, which incidentally I think sounds fascinating. So I'd be all in for that. Um, but yeah, it's for us really running a, a daily site, There always seems to be news. And and I don't I mean, we have certain regular articles that go on the site. Every every Wednesday we post the data burst from the 501st, for example, Um, Rocco Depot review podcast on a Thursday. So we'll we'll post that if if we get a shout out. And, you know, there's always like regular things that, that get in there. But but generally it's quite, quite random. But there always seems to be some, some crazy guy will have built a you know a full size crawler in his back garden that, that's, that's worthy of you know a, a few photographs or some, something off the cuff. So we we do I mean it does dip. I mean obviously December was the busy, busiest month we've had since outside of last year. Peter Mayhew he passed away and Gary Kurtz passed away. Those both those months were um, incredibly busy. Um, obviously the, the general interest from outside our our circle um come to the site to read about that but um but last year december was a was a crazy busy month because because rise you know uh, so it will it will drop off it ebbs and flows but uh, yeah we always seem to find things to talk about i've said this before if we'd never got seven eight and nine and and solo and rogue one you know i i, I know i'd certainly still be doing a daily star wars site that i'd still find something to talk about
1: Certainly, though, it's different now than back in the day covering Star Wars, given the crop of social media networks and the fact that, you know, any old Yahoo like me can plug in a mic and and get in there and join the conversation.
0: Oh, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, when I was doing Lightsaber, for example, back in the late 90s and into the 2000s, it was just the website. And back then I did a lot of uh, a lot of fan fiction. So Lightsaber was a fan fiction site that kind of became an interview site in the early 2000s and then merged with news i did a big refresh in 2005 and re- oddly enough relaunched the site on the same day wikipedia launched which is kind of random um and um, you know and then it, so it's news interviews and and uh, the fan fiction took a back seat because it's so time intensive to write and and i did me being me i did guides so every character had a guide entry and all sorts of stuff um but uh, but yeah it does it does change and then obviously social media coming in sort of twitter facebook sort of 2008 there or thereabouts um changed the game immensely so so now i consider i consider us lucky I Amount mean, of our numbers have gone up and our averages have gone up quite significantly so I'm, I'm always proud of that just as a personal thing to know that people are you know paying a bit of attention as much as anything else um but i'm, I'm very conscious that that fantatrax.com is the hub so we have a lot of interaction on the youtube we have uh quite a few people listen to the podcasts um, a lot of people follow the social media and if you get interaction on any of them it's a bonus i think and certain certain websites and podcasts and and youtube channels and all that stuff that is their one specific focus where Fanta is a little bit of a one-stop shop a little bit of everything so we'll, we'll never be the biggest youtube channel or the biggest podcast network or anything like that or the biggest website but i think as a collective of of these little landing points uh, Fanta tracks the name is is Of getting out there, we've been going just over two years, so I think we've we've done pretty well for for two years.
1: It though has to be a bit of a challenge to keep yourself above the noise since there are so many people now who are doing stuff about Star Wars.
0: Yeah, you want to do something that's a bit unique, and everybody needs a USP. Um, I don't quite know what ours is. Um, I, I I guess you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of the folks we speak to are from North America, so you know, we're the British guys. Um, but Fantatrax is definitely. Uh, I mean, I used to write for Jedi News, so I was at Jedi News for seven years. So, um, And that was very much .co.uk. That's a UK site. Um, but Fantha, from, from the off, we were like, no, we this needs to be a .com. This needs to be an, an international site. Uh, and it's a challenge because, obviously, the guys that are at the front of it, uh, we're all Brits, and a lot of the people that write on the site are Brits, you know. But then we've got a lot of European guys. We've got people in the states who contribute and write for us. So it is in South America as well, you know, and Australia. We've got an Australian podcast, Panther Down Under. So we've got a real good mix of of uh, sort of international people involved. Um, but then, by the same token, when, for example, we go to um, Disney Publishing in the states to say, "Can you send us copies of the book? Because we really like to review this and get it out." you don't really get anywhere because they think oh yeah they're the uk guys you know they'll get an imprint in a month's time you know somebody in the uk will print it. it's like no no we need it now we're, we're an international site we want to get the news out there you know with everybody else so it is a bit of a challenge but uh, yeah you're right it is it, it is trying to find your identity and find something that's unique so we've we've wobbled a little bit with different things we've tried out but essentially we're a new site that's that's the crux of it and we try not to put too much of a I mean, when I write my stuff, I try and keep it conversational, keep it upbeat. I'm very much of the opinion if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything. That's just my personal thing. Um, so uh, you'll you'll hear us rave about certain things more than others and not mention other things more but less rather. Um, but, yeah, we try and keep it pretty neutral um, as much as we can. But then when we get on the podcast and like you and me are chatting now, you know, uh, or you know your your thoughts and opinions come out because you are speaking for yourself. I'm speaking as Mark. I'm not speaking as Panther Tracks. You know, so you can be a bit more a bit more verbal and uh, inverted commas honest. I would say,
1: having written so much, you must have a passion for it. I'm I'm wondering where that started. Um,
0: that's a good question. I I, I think <laughs> as a kid at school, and I didn't do particularly well at school. Um, not that I was not a naughty kid or not paying attention. It just a lot of things just never grabbed me, but I've always liked, always liked writing. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's a lot of kids are either, they're either good at maths and they're wired for maths or they're good at English and they're wired for English. And I was always wired for English. So English was where I excelled. Um, but uh, I think for the writing thing, and, and I look back, most of my parents have sadly long gone now. Both went very young, but um, they, they always said to me, you should have been a journalist. But I actually ended up working for my dad's firm for 20 years um just a small um cook meats company um and so i would just go to the day job earn the money not fuss never still to this day never really fussed about what i do for a living to earn the money i'm not career minded in that sense um but my energy and my creativity if you want to put it in those terms always ended up being star wars so from wow from 82 when i wrote my first fan fiction I don't think I've ever stopped, literally never stopped. So I was either working on a fan fiction or working on an audio cassette. I, used to, Me and my friend used to do audio dramas in the 80s and we'd do that. And then role play started in 87. So we were doing West End stuff all through the 90s. And all behind it, we were writing our own stories and characters and, and building stuff up like that. And, uh, but, but in terms of the sort of writing that I do now, one very much came from, from Lightsaber, or Wirezone actually which was the site before that um and it's just sort of developed because i just do it every day um and for the insider i got an article in back in 2006 just got lucky um it was frank parisi who, who later went to work for lucasfilm and i believe has moved on now but um and then kind of got my foot in the door with jonathan wilkins at insider uh, a couple of years after that and, and uh, that sort of set me on my path so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trained. I'm not a trained writer. Goodness knows, there's plenty of typos in there. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they'll know there's loads of typos, um, <laughs> and there's no excuse for that. Um, but I, don't, I think I think just because I'm passionate about it, I, I just I want to talk about it. I want to I want to get writing. I know once we finish today, I'll do some lunch. I'll boot the computer up and I'll probably spend the rest of the day writing about something Star Wars related. So it's just, uh, yeah, it comes from the gut, I think.
1: And what was it about Star Wars that really hooked you?
0: Um, I think back in the day, 78 really, was when it launched or got massive in the UK um, as it rolled out across the provinces. London always get or did then, not so much now, but London always got everything first. So London and the London region had it for a few weeks before the rest of the country really got hold of it. Uh, I, I just think, wow. I don't know, it's, it, this is that question, it's like saying to Spielberg, what makes your film so special? Or to McCartney, how do you write the Beatles music? And, and McCartney always said, if I knew how to do it, I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. Um, and I, th- I think it, if you could find, if you could bottle that, that, um, that vis- it's visceral, that's the word I always connect with Star Wars, visceral, grabs you by the small intestine and, and doesn't let go. You know, it, it, that first shot, and I say this in retrospect because I was saying this to somebody the other day. The very first thing I saw from Star Wars, apart from a few stills in a magazine before the film actually arrived in the UK, was the Han and Greedo scene because my dad took me when I was six and we turned up late. So the very first memory I have of Star Wars is Han versus Greedo, which is kind of weird because I've just interviewed Paul Blake for The Insider. So that's kind of, that's always kind of fun. Um, but um, I don't know what it was. I mean, we had in the UK, we had like Doctor Who, Blake 7, that kind of stuff which was fine. You know, I'm, if you're a British sci-fi fan, you, you've, you can't not have seen Doctor Who. Everyone's got their favourite Doctor. Um, and, and Tom Baker's probably the one I remember the best, even though he's not the one I saw the most. Um, I'm very much enjoying the, the modern run of, of Doctor Who's stories, so that's great fun. But um, it just, it was, it was next level. People can't compute now. It's so difficult. ILM was so far ahead of the curve. And John Williams was so, that mid 70s era was so at the top of his game. And Lucas was fresh to it all. So, Star Wars, somebody said the other day, it was some kid on Twitter, and he, uh, you know, I I don't know how old he was, not that it's relevant, but his attitude was very much of like, eh, New Hope's okay. It's, It's really boring and nothing happens and blah, blah, blah. You know, but when Star Wars came out, it was like, if you've not experienced Beatlemania, you can't describe Beatlemania. And in my lifetime, the only thing that comes close to Beatlemania is Star Wars mania. It, it just completely reset the board and and thankfully i was just the right age to be completely receptive to what they were doing and knowledgeable enough to know that this even as a 6 year old this is ne- this is something new this is i've been watching all these british chonky cheap tv series and i love them you know i love the bionic man but you know yeah if if they want to show the bionic man running fast you'd hear boop, 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 boop in this slow motion you know it's like as a kid it's like why is he not actually running fast why is he running slow you know all these things um and then star wars comes along so it it just gripped me and thankfully for me it's it's never let go there's been a few ups and downs there's been a few periods where star wars was quiet like we alluded to earlier you know the trek stuff you know the 90s for me was all star trek star trek babylon 5 that was that was the 90s for me um sort of the golden age of trek um, but I never stopped collecting Star Wars. I never stopped reading Star Wars. Never stopped watching it. Every time they'd re-release the box sets, infinitem, I would be there to buy them, you know. But uh, yeah, whatever it did, it it worked. Some sort of mind control, I think.
1: One of the things that always fascinated me as a kid was always hearing about these Star Wars weekly comics in the UK, you know, especially when we were getting them like once a month. And you know, I, I think they were super important because you know the comics were kind of taking it past the movies. And uh, I, I always loved hearing about them, but I never got a chance to see them.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, um, Star Wars Weekly was – I'm really soppy on Star Wars Weekly. I did a whole section of articles on StarWars.com about it, and I would have kept doing it, but they said, oh, you can stop now. We, we, we get the picture. Stop now. But uh, I did the first 12 issues, and it was very much that that article or those articles were very much of the opinion of – well, to, to international readers, you've, re- you've read the comic. You know the Star Wars comic. You don't need you don't need me to go through the story of Star Wars in the comic, but what I did do was go well in the UK comics, you know these that you would get splash pages drawn by certainly a Marie Severin or whoever it may be. Different people would draw splash pages. The covers were were unique to the UK, so the covers were quite individual and and different. And again, like you say, it was a weekly, so it was every Wednesday, ten pence every Wednesday, bang bang bang, uh, you know. And it was you, one issue of the American comic would probably fill. Four issues of the weekly, to be honest. And we were we were a few weeks, or quite a bit behind, actually, um, from where you guys were. So you were getting them in 77. We were getting them in a little bit later. Um, but we had backup stories as well. So that's the first time I was aware of Guardians of the Galaxy or Tales of the Watcher or all these other Marvel things, which, which again, like, for example, um, people today not understanding why people of my vintage much preferred the Fox intro to Star Wars. Because when I hear the Fox fanfare go off on anything, I'm, I could be watching Mary Poppins and that fanfare goes off and I'm like, Star Wars, you know, it's just part of part of Star Wars. And Star Wars Weekly, in a similar way, you'd read those old Marvel comics that they were just chucking in there to give it filler content just to get through the issue. It kind of all blurred into one big melting pot of of, of awesome. So Star Wars, more than Empire of Jedi or any other film since Star Wars, specifically star wars is very much of its time of an era um it bleeds over the edges of the of the pan if that makes sense you know it it became more than just star wars it was very much a a big block of of that time of of my life and loads of other people's lives but those weeklies were oh they were a joy i miss them i miss getting weekly comics
1: were you able to collect the uh cards as well
0: Yeah, we had, in the UK, uh, there was quite a few card sets came out. I know the UK card sets and the American card sets were were slightly different. I think you guys had five sets for the Star Wars run. Um, I don't think we had that many in the UK, if I remember, but I do remember getting them. Um, I mean, (laughs) weirdly, I was thinking about this the other day. Weirdly, the the card sets I used to get the most back then. I've still got some of my Star Wars ones. They're beaten and doggy because we'd trade them and we'd put them <laughs> in bike spokes and all sorts of stupid stuff. Um, uh, but I've still got a handful left. But the ones I used to get was the Superman cards because you got the bubblegum strip with them as well. So I just remember the smell of the Superman cards or the beautiful bubblegum smell. But yeah, we did we did get the cards. We got um from my best recollection, Star Wars. I remember getting quite a few Star Wars cards. I don't remember getting any Empires, although I have got them since. Uh, and then Jedi, I, I remember getting the um, the Panini sticker books, the sticker album. So that was what I really got into for Jedi. Um, but yeah, we did, we did get the cards. And, and again, it was it was one of those things where Star Wars came out, nobody expected it to be this crazy big hit. So let's let's make stuff that's really easy to turn around and get out there as fast as possible. So you know, it was all the the, the transfer sets. You know the. Um, the um, iron-on transfers, obviously the print material like the comics and the poster mags and stuff like that, um, and and the trading cards. So
1: they were everywhere. Mm. Oh, happy days! <laughs> <laughs> Is there, or you know, you're kind of uh, you know soaking in it on a on a daily basis. But there are there things that you do collect, or you know, probably some things you can't help but collect. But are are there items that you've collected from or still have held on to?
0: I, I don't think. I think. Of everything I've got, Star Wars, I've still got my very first figure, uh, Death Star droids, so I've still got that. I, I went back and recollected all the weeklies, so I have all the weeklies now. From So it was, it was Star Wars Weekly, then it became um, Empire Weekly, then Empire Monthly, then Star Wars Monthly, then Return of the Jedi Weekly all the way through. Um, so I've got all those, but I, I, oh, I have nightmares about this. I don't know what happened when I was a kid. I probably had 50 issues. The first 50 issues, well... A lie, that's not actually technically correct. I had issue six, was the very first issue I got. My mom's best friend over the road bought it for me. It's her fault. I still tell her to this day, this is all your fault. Uh, so I had issue six all the way through to about issue 50, and something happened. I can't remember it, I don't know why I got the, the strop on about it. Um, but I do visit very, very clearly remember taking these 50 issues of star Wars weekly and putting them, putting them in the bin and throwing them away. Oh. And I don't know why I did it. It's the only star Wars stuff I've ever thrown away. Mm. Um, and then years later got them all back again. So my, my original issue six of star Wars weekly actually is long, long gone. Um, but yeah, everything else I've kept everything else I've kept. It's all, um, we had the top floor. After my parents passed away, we obviously had a bit of an inheritance. So me and Ruth, my wife decided we like where we live. We're going to stay here. We've got the top floor of the house converted into a collection room. So it's a three story house now, uh, which is now full. So I've got the spare room as well. Um, uh, I don't know how we're going to cope because there seems to be <laughs> stuff coming in all the time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I still collect um, trading cards, still get top stuff. Uh, and uh, obviously, we've got Tops UK here in, in England. So there's Tops UK stuff and all the Force attacks and all that stuff. Um, still collect all the Marvel comics. Um, but I love finding. I'm very eclectic. I'm not, and I'm not a completist for most things. I'm not a completist, so I don't mind having three or four of this or four or five of that. And if I can fill the gap and it catches my eye and I find it at a good price, I'll get it. But um, my collection's a bit of a um, bit of a mishmash of, of different things. Um, so yeah, I, I get a bit of everything. I mean, dude do seem to get a lot of print material, a lot of books and comics seem to come through. Uh, Today, I'll tell you this, today, (laughs) this is the most random thing ever, I've had Christmas in the Stars on vinyl for years and years, Kenny Baker signed it, so that's wonderful, and I want to get Anthony to sign it um, at some point, but uh, I saw it online on CD and I thought, I've got to have this on CD, it's too good not to have on CD, my (laughs) wife plays the Disney Christmas album every year, and it's all I hear from October till January, I'm, I'm putting the Christmas in the Stars album on next year. This is my this is my
1: <laughs> silent
0: revenge. So I actually got Christmas in the Stars on CD today. So that came through. So a beautiful little CD of that. Um, I'm trying to find it on cassette, but it's ridiculous cost on, online for cassette for some reason. But uh, yeah, so I'm always trying to find these random little oddities. Uh, I got a ticket stub from Japan. 1977 Star Wars ticket stub from Japan turned up the other day, which was really neat. So I just like the, the random little ephemera all the little buttons and badges and the smaller the better that's that's kind of what i'm into
1: oh that's awesome well um that's a good uh just a transition over to is you know if i looked on if i looked on your your website you know it looks like you do this 24 7 but in reality do you do this 24 7 is this your only job or, or only set of jobs or do you have a do you have a eight to five kind of a deal (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh i made a deal with the devil that my day is 48 hours long and there's eight <laughs> nine days in the week and um now i um my wife's disabled so my wife had breast cancer 10 years ago so she's um <laughs> she has limited mobility so i tend to stay as close to home as possible to 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 be there for Roo. um so i generally and there's only two of us we haven't got kids we, we married in our late 30s and, and fate wasn't uh, wasn't on our side because uh, Ruth was ill, so we we had some decisions to make. So we decided it's it's just us, so just the two of us. So I don't need to earn crazy money for us to you know to have a, a you know reasonably comfortable life. So I generally work pretty much work part time. So the, the my real life inverted commas real life job is is stock taking because it's very flexible. Uh, I work when I need to. The guys that I've worked with for nearly ten years now know my scenario and situation couldn't be more helpful so I'm in a really good position in that respect so uh, weirdly enough January and February are absolutely crazy busy with that work so it's uh, it's like five hours sleep a night trying to fit everything else in but then once we get past February it gets nice it it eases off it becomes the 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 regular sort of life then Um, but yeah generally if and Ruth knows this if I'm not if I'm not working or we're not watching You know, Love Island or something crazy on television, Um, or or at the cinema because we do a lot of cinema trips. I'll generally be at the computer writing. So I would say, even even on a day where I've done a sort of a double shift like yesterday, I'll probably still put five or six hours into the site or or into writing. Um, At the moment, it's I'm in annotating mode, so I've I've managed to accumulate quite a few, you know, decent interviews for the Insider, which which which, which all sounds wonderful and it is. It's great um, to do. Uh, and then you finish and say, thank you very much thank you goodbye put the phone down and then look at the sound file and go i've just spoke to whoever for 45 minutes that's going to take at least two hours to annotate oh right no, the annotating is the killer so um but yeah i'm I'm lucky in the sense that i can, I can be i'm self-employed essentially so i can be quite flexible with what i do um and uh, I, I somehow the older i get the less sleep i need so i can get by about <laughs> five and a half hours as you know i was i was up at two thirty. i know last night on twitter as we were talking last night and i got up at nine o'clock so um i don't, I don't know i don't know what i'm thinking i should have had a lie-in today because next week's brutal as well so i really should have had a lie-in but there you go
1: it's all good <laughs> well and then i'm also wondering how do you give yourself time and time away especially if you're working from home you know how, how do you sort of give yourself a break and when you're like i, I just want to write about cats or i just don't want to do anything else. How how do you how do you best work with Downtime to get yourself as fresh as you can for your content.
0: Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm lucky in the sense, and everybody hits the wall at times. Everybody hits the wall. Don't care what you say. Everybody has moments where it's like I, I can't even think about doing stuff today. And there are certain days where real life is too, just too much. So I'll just boot up. I'll put two articles on. I've got this real thing about I've got to put at least one thing a day on. So long as I get one thing a day on, I'm happy. And there are other people on the site that post as well, so it's not it's not just me. Right. Um, but there are days where I'll get up and Ruth will be like, "You going on the computer? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Really? Yeah, I'm not feeling it. Let's just put a put something silly on Netflix. We'll just watch something silly on Netflix. And then, like the other day, the, uh, the movies that made us on Netflix. A friend at work had said, "Oh, have you seen that that movies that made us? You it's right up your street, mate. You really should watch it." Um. And I love the toys that made. It's a brilliant series. It's the same guys. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch the first one. So the first one was Dirty Dancing, which Ruth, is Ruth's favourite film near, near enough. So we watched that one, and then she fell asleep. I did, she has a sleeping afternoon. And then I ended up watching the other three episodes. So, so there's days like that when I just completely vegetate. Um, and then I get this kind of weird, weird guilt complex kicks in about 9 o'clock when I go, oh, I've done nothing today. I've posted nothing today. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a cup of tea like i did before we just started speaking i'll make a cup of tea and then i'll boot the computer up then i'll have i'll do a me- what i call a mega blast i'll post about 10 things in two hours and time them to come out over the next sort of 12 hours and then go back back to sleep quite satisfied but yeah sometimes you do need a break but i i very rarely completely take a break i mean even when we go on holiday i take my laptop and i post something every day so i'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm addicted to it. The thing is, if I wasn't writing Fanther, I'd be writing fan fiction or I'd be doing something. I write for Starburst magazine as well, so I'd be doing something for Starburst. Or I just I love doing it. I'm happy. I'm happy writing. So uh, it, it's it's rarely a case of not writing. It's just how much I do in a day. So some days it's obscenely stupid, and I probably shouldn't do that much. Another days it's, <laughs> it's quite a, quite a limited amount, but uh, yeah, seems to be working. I think. <laughs>
1: What, a, what is your schedule for this year, and are you doing Celebration?
0: I am. Um, the schedule the schedule is, let me think, where are we? So next weekend is a, a big convention on the south coast called uh, the SF Ball. So there's some Trek guests there, so I'm going down to that. The weekend after that is Capital Sci-Fi in Edinburgh, which is a five-hour train ride north. So I'm doing that and hopefully doing some stage hosting for that event. Uh, we did that last year, and it was brilliant fun. And Brian Herring's at that. I'm friends with Brian, so so it'll be nice to catch up with him. Um, and then, where are we then? And then it's uh, London Comic-Con Spring down at Olympia, so I'll definitely go down to that. And then we move into April. We've got a family holiday in April, off to Florida for two weeks, so very much looking forward to that. Uh, June, if the stars align, will be Rancho Obi-Wan Gala. So mm. I, not, I, did, I couldn't make it. Well, they didn't do it last year, and I couldn't make it the year before, but I'd done the previous five years, so I definitely want to try and do that. Um, August is Celebration, as you say. So last Celebration, well, um, 2016, when it was a Celebration in Europe, I scheduled the podcast area with the uh, costume groups, First and Rebel Legion, so I did the scheduling for that, which was wonderful um, when I was still with Jedi News. And then last year, I was the podcast stage host at, to Chicago, so – I don't know whether I'm doing it again. I've not been told that I'm not, so fingers crossed. I, I, I really enjoyed doing that; it was great fun, and
1: right. people
0: seem to be receptive to it. So I'm hoping that that, uh, that falls into place, but no guarantees. I don't I don't know yet. Um, but either way, I'll, I'll I wouldn't miss. It's our Super Bowl, isn't it? I wouldn't I wouldn't miss exactly. celebration. So figure. I, w- I would say I would sell I'd sell all of my kidneys to get there, but I've actually only <laughs> got one. I well, can't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, not doing New York Comic Con this year, but I have done it for the past sort of four or five years. But taking a break this year, so uh, I don't think I'll, I'll be doing anything else after August. Uh, big, big convention wise, but there's always there's always uh, UK uh, events that happen. Collecting events like this from Echo Base. There's stuff all around the UK uh, pretty much every week. If you wanted to go to stuff, uh, and and Fanther as a team, we try and get to as many things as we can. Um, plus. We're all friends, so we, we try and socialize and, and get together where and when we can and just, just hang out. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, at the moment it sounds it sounds busy enough, but I know there's going to be loads more stuff than that.
1: Oh, exactly. And then you can only imagine when we get into Celebration, um, the releases. And it's something I haven't heard a whole lot about, but you have to figure there's another piece of animation that's coming um, that is yet to be announced. Um, do you have any ears out as far as what they might be working on? No,
0: nothing nothing solid. I
1: mean, the, the thing that was floating around the other day when people
0: were talking about a potential um, Sabine and uh, Ahsoka series, we had heard whispers of that a little while ago, but nothing more than, have you heard about sort of rumors? So nothing to substantiate. That would be, I'd be very interested in that, partly because partly because they're just both fascinating characters, especially Ahsoka, but also the era that it's set in is kind of pretty much around the time of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and I think my head tells me that because they are starting to think outside the box in terms of overlapping animated stories and characters with live action, you've got the potential for characters to appear in both, which I think would be absolutely fascinating if mando turned up in this ahsoka series and ahsoka turned up in the mando series for example i think that would be right. really cool cool bit of business so i'd be interested in that yeah i mean there's there's rumors of other live action shows as well um but i think personally i hope they don't Mar- you know marvel announced eight live action series <laughs> and you know another four movies and marvel have got that machine purring like a cat so they can do it they're the most confident content makers in on the planet at the moment i would say marvel and they've earned it so i think they can quite happily announce eight series with characters that you know people may look and go who the heck is she hulk and yet the, <laughs> all the real sort of marvel fans like me will go oh god if please stick to the john Byrne she hulk run from the late 80s because mm. that was the best mm. thing ever you know and stuff like that so they've they've got it in the bag but if star wars announced eight tv series <laughs> with the way the fandom is at the moment, I <laughs> think there might be a collective meltdown of the internet. Um I'll partly saying, Why are you doing this? and the other half saying, Why aren't you doing that? you know. Um, so I think they're being very cute. I like the thought. I'm happy actually that they're pausing on Kenobi to get it absolutely where they want it to, because going into the weeds a little bit, if you look at the Mandalorian and the story that's been told in that those eight episodes, it is a protector overseeing a child. And Mm -hmm. Kenobi, you would pitch it as, well, it's this Jedi who's been sent to a planet to oversee the development of a child. And it's like they're kind of the same thing. So I'm sure at some juncture they've looked at Kenobi and gone, these are too similar. We're telling the same story here. Um, And my head tells me that, you know, when Favreau came up with the idea for The Mandalorian, one, he's so entrenched in Disney. He's such a successful director. He clearly knows his stuff. And he's worked with Filoni for years and their mates. So it's a dream team. Uh, if, if somebody at Lucasfilm said, well, actually, can you, can you back off a little bit on the protector overlooking the, uh, a young child storyline a bit? Because we've got this Kenobi project we want to do. I think Favreau's got enough rub that he could go, no, you do your own thing. This is what I'm doing. And, and he'd get the green light to do it. So I'm glad that Kenobi's sort of stepping back a little bit. Uh, the Cassian show, the same. You know, you see apparently there's elements of a young Cassian and his sister um, you know developing and, and him getting into you know he said it in Rogue one I've been in this war since I was six years old sort of thing so there's a lot to tell there and that's thought actually that's the story I'm the most interested in because Cassian was my favorite character in Rogue one so that's the mm. show I'm really keen for because there's a potential to bring back a lot of actors from um, from from Rogue one uh, and so much overlap with a new hope so that's that's something I'm really keen for but yeah animated in the short term it feels like yeah they need a successor series to resistance and uh yeah i would imagine i'd like to think you you think logically get get everybody in a 5000 seat room at celebration and announce a new animated series and bring the new showrunners out and and bring the cast out and it seems like a home run but whether or not they do that i don't know they'll probably put a press release out like a week before (laughs) they they always seem to put press release and they tell you two things in one press release they always do that Oh, Lucasfilm has just been sold to Disney and we're making seven, eight, and nine. Why would you give that all away <laughs> in one press release? You know, so, <laughs> so uh, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll get that one sorted out.
1: Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and the other thing, um, do you mind, can, can you let us know some things that might be coming up in Star Wars Insider that you've had your hand on?
0: I can't say too much, but I can say uh, in the next issue. Um, I, I'm not sure who did the writing on the on the uh, other side, but uh, one of the insider writers spoke to Maria de Aragon, who played Greedo in the California shot scenes from A New Hope, and I interviewed um, Paul Blake. And what I can tell you about that is a little little element was that we uh, we did the interview back in the summer, and great. We both follow the same soccer team. We've met a few times, so I've interviewed him before, so we had a good good little chat. And some good stuff came out. Um, and it was it was very much like you alluded to earlier. Um, how do you interview somebody who has spent 40 years talking about Star Wars right. and try and find something new? Uh, and I think we found something new. I'm pretty confident we did. Because uh, I do very – I always say that's so a listen. I, I'm, I know you spoke about this forever. You must have said everything a thousand times. I said the same thing to Anthony Daniels when, when we did the interview for the magazine. And he obviously – well, he hadn't he'd done as much as he thought he sh- needed to do on Rise of Skywalker and ended up doing more uh, afterwards. But uh, when we did that interview, that was kind of funny, slightly going off track um, because we did the interview in, I think it was August and he, and his wife was there and she said, well, when's the issue coming out? I said, October 28th. So look, I saw, I had to sign an NDA before we did this interview because it was talking about <laughs> the book that he's just released. So I said, look, Let's let's pretend that today is October the twenty ninth, not August the tenth or whatever it was. It's October twenty ninth, and Anthony sort of looked at me and went, "Ah, okay, I get what you mean." I, I'm not, <laughs> okay, okay. So he was a bit more candid in what he said, confident that it would go beyond this embargo date. Um, but it is—it's finding something new, and I, I think if anybody who ever looks Anthony Daniels in the eye and says, with no sense of irony. What was it like in the suit? <laughs> he deserves slapping with a wet fish, uh, you know, because he must have been asked that question a billion times. But the thing is, when you get chatting to him, one of the key um, elements of the conversation is about what it was like in the suit, because it's it's just inherently in the, in that story. Uh, and and the interview was quite neat in that it, I, even I and I've interviewed him a couple of times in the past. Uh, even I didn't realise quite how uncomfortable it was in that damn suit. It was like being put inside a tin can, literally a tin can that pinched all the pinch points, Ow. informed the character. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, there's Paul Blake uh, coming up. Um, what else can I say? Because um, the, the, the the thing mm. is, and it's worked out quite well, is that we get we get interviews done, and then they can tailor them to certain issues that have uh, have themes. So I will say that I did an interview recently uh, in relation to a forthcoming Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary uh, issue that um, was really interesting, actually. And again, it was somebody I interviewed years ago uh, for Lightsaber, my old site, uh, that we came back to. So that was fascinating. Um, I won't say anything else other than he played an Imperial. Mm. That's all I will say. Um, And I'm chasing some big fish at the moment and I don't know whether I'll get clearance to chase them any further um but if I can get them then that will be that'll be up there with with the stuff that I've done in the past nice. um so yeah yeah it's it's busy it's good it's it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan I'll say that definitely
1: one just follow-up question, and like I said, I'm not going to try to get too off in the weeds on this, but I think just because so many of those, so many of those actors, you know, so much of that was filmed in the UK, so many of those act- actors and extras, um, it has to be a little different, uh, you know, from the perspective of a UK interviewer as opposed to you know somebody here in the United States talking to some of those British actors about or UK actors about, you know, their time and what they're doing. It has to be a little different vibe, I think, for them.
0: Yeah, I would say. I mean, there is the advantage, <coughs> excuse me, there is the advantage in the sense of, well, Brian Herring, for example, I spoke to Brian recently for a publication, I won't say which, um, and, and we got chatting and I, I see Brian at conventions and we've got mutual friends um, and we're similar age, give or take a year or two. So all the cultural references are the same, Um for example, he worked on a, a British TV show, puppet show called Spitting Image, which was a satirical puppet show back in the uh, in the wow back in the 80s. Um, so you know we both know you know there's the, the shorthand of referring to certain characters and, and things like that. And, and as I say, he's at Capital Sci-Fi, so I'll see him at Capital Sci-Fi. So you know probably have a you know chat and a beer sort of thing there. So with with the UK actors, you do tend to or we do tend to see them quite regularly at events. Uh, around the country so if for example Gary hagan turned up at an american convention or, or paul blake or all those guys it's a it's a bigger deal because they don't turn up as often right whereas here for example uh you know you'll you'll see them at star wars fan fun day in burnley in may uh which is a wonderful event can't recommend that show enough wonderful event um or they'll crop up at far this from which is a vintage collecting show or echo base or you know so there's because they're more local geographically more local you do see them more so uh and 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 I suppose for my part I've been around it all long enough now uh, at events that you know some of these guys I can sit down with them and they might not remember me in the short term and then I'll say oh I, I interviewed you for Lightsaber back in 2006 and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, hang on. Yeah, I remember that. And, and 2006 feels like two years ago, but it's not. It's 14 years ago, right. which is ridiculous. I can't believe it's 2020. It doesn't even sound right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, there's some sort of longevity there. So, um, and, and also because and, – and, and sadly as well, there's, there's people that, that we might know mutually that aren't around anymore. I was quite friendly with Ian Liston, for example, uh, I used to run Richard NCA's website for a while, so so there's people that aren't around anymore that you've got that kind of shared social connection that you know you sat down with these guys had a chat and a beer about stuff that wasn't Star Wars, um, which which is nice and it's it's sad that they're not around but it's nice to have that sort of that memory. So yeah, to your point, yeah, it, it is different, and a lot of the extras and certainly a lot of the crew are British. Um, and it's just it's it's always fun when you're abroad, especially when you're at celebration and you catch up with another Brit and you start talking. And uh, it's it's just a little little calm in the storm sort of thing. So it's it's always fun.
1: Nice. Um, what are some of the things you got coming up for Phanta Tracks that you can talk about?
0: Um, Fantha, we we've what we wanted to do when we launched the site, and it's worked to to lesser or greater degrees. We wanted it one we because sort of three or four of us came from Jedi news. We didn't want to just do re, replicate Jedi news. That was, that was an, that was a, a definite, uh, MO, uh, not because Jedi news doesn't work. It works magnificently and it still does, but we just wanted to do something different. Um, so even though we're both new sites, uh, and the sites kind of look similar, that was a criticism we had at the start. <laughs> it looks similar because it was designed by the same guy. So, um, we, you know, we've got the Fantha logo that Paul Bateman, uh, did for us, which is, I think, is great fun. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got a YouTube channel that we're trying to progress uh, as much as we can. So it's got it's got a couple of thousand subscribers, which is uh, which is pretty good after two years. Um, so that's developing slowly. The podcasts we've got more more shows coming online this year. One that I'm really excited about. Um, I don't want to give it away in case somebody else steals the idea. <laughs> But so uh, we've got uh, that. That show should be fun when we get that up and running, and I'm I'm looking forward to that very much. Um, more that sounds boring, doesn't it? More of the same. I think we've, we've got <laughs> we've got, a certain, we've got to a certain quality. I'd like to think we've got to a certain quality, and people kind of know that we're not gonna we're not gonna post any old rubbish. And and don't get me wrong, we and more more than we probably me have. have of erroneously posted things we probably shouldn't have posted or got it from sources that maybe weren't the best you know uh, in terms of news being shared uh, and we try and be as diligent as we can about where we pick up these stories from because we have we have news comes to us through various uh sources general news not not behind the scenes or or, or um, rumor news but just general news and you'll see an article and th- ah let's ah there's uh, there's a leak on the art of Riser of skywalker book you know let, let's let's post something off that and then you get a a little email from someone friendly <laughs> you I'd take that down mate that's that's not what you think it is, you know, so you get these things these things always happen, and they always will, and ultimately we're just a fan site you know we're not we're not um we're not an official site or anything like that, but um yeah, more of the same I'd like to i think we we hope we post a lot of content we we are a busy site you know generally most days um you know, there's probably 10, 12 news articles and probably the same amount of of podcasts that we share um, from from other from other uh, uh, websites and podcasts and such. So there's a lot of content, plus all the social media, um, plus whatever might be on YouTube or or, or uh, the podcast network. Um, yeah, just want to keep up the keep, keep our foot on the gas, especially now, like you said earlier, we're not there's no film on the horizon now there's barely a TV series on the, on the horizon. <laughs> so, you know, we've got to make the most of it this year as well. So Excellent. yeah, just more of the same, I think
1: um, it's one of those things. I usually end these things with where can people find you at the, you know, the opposite is true where people can't find you, but um, if someone <laughs> wants to connect to you online or find you, where are the best places to?
0: Uh, fantatracks.com. Absolutely the best place. Um, if you want to drop us a like news at Fantatracks.com. If anyone's got any news or wants to drop us a question or, or, insult us you know any interactions <laughs> good um <laughs> uh, i'm on twitter at prefect underscore timing i'm a hitchhiker's fan so that's where the nice. prefect comes um and uh, yeah or, or on facebook as well uh, just mark newbold on facebook um but yeah i i, I just love talking about star wars so i'm happy to get into a conversation with I, I come from the old star wars blogs back in the mid 2000s which <laughs> i dearly miss and I love just chewing over story ideas and thoughts and plots and all sorts of stuff. So I'm I'm
1: always happy to talk. Excellent, excellent. Well, I do appreciate you coming on, and uh, it was a great conversation. And uh, I am going to extend a, a welcome back. Um, I, I'd love to have you back on sometime uh, once we get some more content out and, uh, and we can uh, talk a little more. But this has been an absolute pleasure.
0: Oh, thank you very much. It's absolutely the same for me. I'd love to come on again.
1: Once again, my thanks to Mark Newbold for being on the program tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to get a chance to talk with him, and uh, I hope we get him back on the podcast soon. Um, Like I said, you can catch him over at Fanthatrax, or you can find him on Star Wars Insider, or just about any place. Like I said, 80 80 podcasts, uh, either as a host or as a guest, and several repeated guests. So hopefully we can get him back. If you have any feedback for tonight's episode, good, bad, or otherwise, you can reach out to me in a number of ways. You can leave a DM to me at rebelbasecard on Instagram, or you can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this page. On Twitter, you can find me at rebelbasecard. You can also email the program, Greg at RebelBaseCard.com. You can also find me on Facebook at rebelbasecard. I've been posting a lot from the um, Star Wars Card Trader app, a lot of the images over there, which I think lend themselves, I think Facebook lends itself to... Um, a great place to put uh, several albums of pictures as opposed to like scrolling through. Uh, So I hope you kind of dig some of that there. Uh, You can find the show notes for this and all episodes on rebelbasedcard.com. In the Star Wars Card Trader app, you can find me at CornFedTech. You can follow me. I'll follow you back. Throw me a trade. I'd really enjoy it. If you are a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer, want to talk about your work, craft, or passion, drop me a line. Maybe we can work something out. Love to have you on. Uh, You can also do me a favor and leave a comment and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast at. Kind of helps get the word out about the show. And like I said, I'm always looking for that feedback. Otherwise, keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire, folks. And I'll talk to you soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www. Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to etsy.com slash shop slash ksgeekman and use the code Rebel Card, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show.